This is HPR episode 1902 entitled My Linux Toolbox and is part of the series What's in My Toolkit. It is hosted by Finn and is about 24 minutes long. The summary is Finn talks about his digital box of Linux tools. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Hello and welcome to Hackerpublic Radio. This is my second episode. First one was a little while ago, I've been meaning to do another one. But here we are, I'm finally here. It's not that hard. I encourage you all to give it a go. So recently there's been a series of podcasts, uh, well, a kind of rough series. Oh, is it a series? I wonder if it's categorised as a series. Let me just check that. Yes, it appears there is a series. It's called What's in My Toolkit. Uh, a lot of people have done What's in My Bag. Uh, some people have done in what's in my repair toolbox. There was a recent one I thought was quite interesting by John Culp about uh, what he keeps in his bicycle repair toolbox. Anyway, so it kind of got me thinking, what kind of things do I keep uh, in a toolbox? Or what do I keep in my bag? I thought, well, what I keep in my bag isn't very interesting. Although if I get a request, I might do a show. But I thought what was interesting is what I keep in my virtual toolbox. In other words, on my um, on my PC. So I thought it might be cool to do an episode on the tools that I have in my virtual toolbox, i.e. my hard drive, my set of digital tools. So here we are, my Linux toolbox. These are basically the packages I install on every distribution. Although I generally just use Linux Mint or Arch, uh, although you could say those two are, are quite different. So well, yeah, there's quite a different experience setting up one box in the next, but whenever I do a clean install of either Arch or Linux Mint or whatever else I'm trying out at the time, I tend to st- install either most or all of these packages. So in no particular order, I'll go through the list. At number one here, I've got HTOP. To be honest, I never really understood TOP. Um, I mean, I can look at TOP and get some information from it, uh, there might be a human readable flag for it that would make things easier. Those numbers up at the top with all their different uh, measurements of memory and so on and so forth can be a little overwhelming if you just want a quick glance to see what's going on with your system. And I remember discovering HTOP. Well, to be honest, no, I don't remember discovering HTOP, but I discovered it a while ago. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, ah, this is the command line system monitor for me. Nice graphical style bars to indicate the load on your different CPU cores or the single core if you're just running a, a single core box. And then uh, another nice little bar there for your RAM. A uh, lovely list of uh, all the running processes on the system and you can easily sort them and you can easily view them in a tree form. It's nicely color coded. So yeah, HTOP, love it. Always install HTOP. That's my go-to command line system monitor. 
Uh, number two here, Firefox. If it's not pre-installed, obviously with Linux Mint, generally Firefox is pre-installed. In fact, I can't think of a version of Linux Mint I've used that didn't have Firefox pre-installed as the default browser. But of course, on Arch Linux, it's not there by default, as are most packages. So yep, Firefox has to be there. If it's not, I'll just pop it on. It's my go-to browser. So number three, I've put down Gedit, or G-Edit, however you like to pronounce that. Uh, I just find it's a great text editor, lovely graphical text editor, nice and simple, but with uh, some great plugins, a nice one for uh, automatic replacing tabs with spaces, and if you hit the backspace, it will delete those set of spaces all at once. So if you're writing code, it's nice to have things indented, and it's nice to use spaces, or at least I think it's nice to use spaces instead of the tab characters. But it's also nice to not have to um, deal with managing spaces when you're correcting blocks of text. So if you hit the tab key, you'll get, well in my case, four spaces thrown in instead of a tab symbol. I like to indent to four spaces. But then if you hit the backspace key, instead of deleting one space and then you having to hit the backspace key four times to get to the previous indentation, if you indented too far or say you just want to change how your blocks are arranged, you just hit the backspace key once and it will knock off all four space characters for you. So that's a nice little plugin and one of the many examples of why I like to use Gedit or Pluma. If I happen to be using uh, Arch Linux I might go for Pluma instead of Gedit if I'm going for uh, GTK2 packages rather than GTK3. That's another story. Maybe an opportunity for another episode. So here at number four I've got Yaort. Yaort. I have no idea how to pronounce that. Y-A-O-U-R-T. I believe it's yogurt in French. And of course, that's if I'm using Arch Linux. I'm familiar with the um, Arch user repository and how to manage those packages myself. Uh, but after a while of doing that, I was thought, oh, I'll give this Yarot thing a try and see how that goes. And to be honest, it's been completely painless. It's not an official package manager by any means for Arch, as they will warn you on their wiki. But it works great for me. Really convenient. love how Yarot works. And I've got a side note here for... Um, if I'm on an Ubuntu or Debian-based distribution, i.e. Linux Mint, I'll always make sure I've got Synaptic installed. I think on the more recent versions of Linux Mint, the Synaptic Package Manager, this is the Graphical Package Manager, isn't installed by default. I think they kind of leave it as the Mint Software Center, as the default Graphical Package Manager, and don't clutter the system with other options. Um, I mean, f fair enough, I respect that. Good design choice, but for me personally, I like to use Synaptic. Or, yep, yeah, if I'm using Arch, Yarot. So, fifth one on my list here is GU Charmap. Um, I just recently added that to my list. It's something that I think is included with Linux Mint by default, but I found myself wanting to look at a, a graphical display of Unicode characters on Arch, and I was like, hang on, what's that utility I use in Linux Mint? So, I found the package name GU Charmap, or GU Charmap, however you'd like to pronounce that. Yeah, it works really nicely. You can uh, scroll through and find whatever symbol you're looking for. For me, I think it was some mathematical or logical symbol. Get the Unicode character, or I believe it shows you other encodings as well. You can copy and paste them into your source file. For example, I think it was an HTML document I was working on that I wanted some uh, some funny characters in. Anyway, on we go. Number six, Markdown. Again, a recent addition. I've started writing uh, lots and lots of notes recently, and I find that Typing up in Markdown is great. I prefer using plain text to a word processor like LibreOffice or OpenOffice or the like. I just found working in plain text is so much less complicated. Formatting is some, somewhat of an afterthought. At least you can 
leave it till later. I found myself always getting bogged down in formatting as I was going along using word processors. I'd be thinking about, oh, do I want this to be bold or italic or indented or bullet points or numbered bullet points and playing around with that stuff as I went and I end up not writing down many notes. So um, yeah, Markdown works great. It's really simple, just plain text with a, a few sort of additions. Uh, again, another good opportunity for a podcast there, so maybe I'll come back later and do an episode of Markdown unless I find one in the archive that covers the topic better than I think I could. Here we are, number seven then. Uh, VLC Media Player. Um, as uh, Joe Ressington likes to say on the uh, Linux Ludex podcast, it just plays everything and it pulls down all the uh, codecs you might need. And uh, yeah, I've always found it to be the best media player. I was a big fan of VLC since I was a Windows user <coughs> back in the day. But yeah, VLC. That's what I play all my movies and music with. wouldn't think of it using anything else, really. Number eight here, I have um, Cinnamon. So obviously um, Linux Mint, you uh, download a graphical installer and you install something that includes a desktop environment. Of course, I'll go for the Cinnamon option. But then Arch Linux, on the other hand, you don't get anything really by default, so it's up to you what you put on it. And these days I've been going for Cinnamon on Arch as well. Um, I just think it's a fantastic desktop environment. Um, yeah, not not much more to be said about it than that without delving into detail that would maybe be good for a solo episode. So Cinnamon, my desktop environment of choice. So number nine here, LibreOffice. Again, as I said when I mentioned using Markdown for note-taking recently, I'm not a fan of using LibreOffice much. I don't really have use for spreadsheets. I've used one in the last four or five years. Um, so really it's just if I'm ever doing... Um, a text document that needs to be printed and given to someone or generate PDF to be emailed to someone. So LibreOffice is what I'd use for that. Um, if I do, on a rare occasion, need a word processor or, yeah, once in a blue moon, spreadsheet application. Events. That's my PDF reader of choice. Or um, Atril, I think is the name of it, on Mate, the Mate desktop environment. Um, well, that's the, at least Atril is the fork that the Mate team made of events from the GTK2 days when it was part of GNOME 2. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Um, so yeah, if I was on Arch, I might go for Atrial instead of events. I think that uh, all the new versions of the GNOME apps are making some real changes to their kind of header section of their windows, the menus and the windows controls are all getting integrated into one bar. Great if you're using GNOME. I've used GNOME a lot. I think it's fantastic. I just prefer Cinnamon these days and I find that the Mate forks of uh, the GNOME applications work much nicer with Cinnamon than the GTK3, GNOME 3 versions. 11 here is MT Paint. It's just a very simple pixel art editor. I used to love using another paint program on a Microsoft operating system. And this is the closest thing I've found on Linux so far. Um, yeah, just simple pixel art, nothing complicated, just like messing around sometimes, or just some simple cropping and copying and pasting of um, pixel-based images. Talking about pixel-based images, moving on now to vector-based images. Number 12 here I've listed is Inkscape for a proper drawing. Uh, so yeah, if I, if I actually want to create some artwork, I'll do it in Inkscape. I love working with vectors. I love the fine control you can get of a, of a line by just manipulating the points of a vector. Inkscape, my um, Inkscape's my go-to drawing application. 
So number 13 I've got here is GIMP. So yeah, if I need some more heavy-duty manipulation of uh, pixel-based artwork, I don't really do any photo editing, but maybe I want to kind of throw something together, tweak something, convert something from one format to the other, compress an image, that kind of thing I tend to do on GIMP, although I don't tend to do it often, but I do like to have it in my Linux toolbox. Number 14 here, I've listed GNOME Terminal, or Mate Terminal. Um, yeah, as I said before, when I was talking about events and Atrial, I do find that the Mate Forks applications do work a bit more nicely in the Cinnamon environment on Arch. Um, yeah, when I use Linux Mint, I have GNOME Terminal, and it's the older version of GNOME Terminal that I believe the Mint guys are maintaining, since they forked a bunch of stuff from GNOME. Very nice. Uh, Mate Terminal is very similar. Works nicely on Arch with Cinnamon. Moving swiftly on then, at number 15 here, I've put Redshift. Now, Redshift is absolutely fantastic. I'm using it right now as I'm recording this podcast at around 20 past 10 in the evening. And so what Redshift does is it adjusts the color balance and the brightness of your display based on the time of day or based more specifically on your geolocation, which it will then infer what time of day it is. Uh, I think the way I have it configured, I just put in my um, coordinates, my longitude and latitude, and it therefore knows what the time of day here is, or at least where the sun is in relation to the part of the surface of the Earth that I'm at. And it knows that the sun is not visible for me, so it shifts the color balance slightly towards the red, so more like the tones of candlelight or or a fire or these kind of more red-shifted lights that is more conductive to sleep. So it helps you wind down in the evening. It's not so stimulating. You don't end up staring at the computer until 3 a.m. Or at least that's what I found it helps with. Um, yeah, so it just helps me get a good night's sleep. And uh, once it's uh, auto-configured, ready to go, do my little configuration file, it just gently gently lowers the brightness and shifts the colors to red as the evening progresses and now at night time now my screen is very dark and slightly red shifted um, but not so dark that it's hard to view it's about the same brightness as the brightest part in my room and not so red as to look like everything's red in fact it's about the same white balance as the white wall in my room so yeah absolutely fantastic really fits with the environment Lovely way to look at a box of light in the evening. Number 16 then is uh, just a little applet called Alarm Clock Applet. I stumbled across this when I was getting into the Pomodoro technique, which is a nice way to manage your time. Just a very simple alarm clock applet. Uh, You get a little window. You can set some countdown timers, which is all I use it for. I think there's also alarms for certain times of day you can set as well. So yeah, I just use that for um, managing my time. Number 17 then is Gparted. If I ever have to do anything with the disk partition, formatting, creating a new partition, formatting a new disk I've added to my system, it's always in Gparted. I love working with Gparted. As you may have noticed, some of my tools are command line based, but most of these tools are graphical based. I really do enjoy good graphical tools, and Gparted is a fantastic example. So moving on now to an application that I'm not so proud to admit to using, but it's always there. Uh, number 18 here we have Steam. Steam is the game client from the uh, developer Valve. Been a fan of their games for many years since before I was a Linux user. And when the, they brought Steam to Linux, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. So I have Steam and a few games on there, some lovely Linux ports. Uh, my favorite being 
Valve's own game, Dota 2, which is absolutely fantastic, a great online experience, and a really fun game to play. Number 19 here is a tool that I've actually removed recently, so, but I'll mention it anyway, in case you are a game player like me. I pretty much always use Play on Linux whenever I want to play some old game that I have fond memories of, and I've still got the old PC Windows disk knocking around. I'll fire up Play on Linux and install it and uh, have a go. It's been good for that, but I'm kind of moving away from those older Windows applications, so I don't really use that anymore. But yeah, if old Windows games are your thing, Play on Linux makes it seamless and painless to get up and running, provided that the game is on their supported games list. They've basically got a yes-no list. Either it's on the list and it works fantastically, or it's not on the list and you're out of luck for Play on Linux. Maybe look at Wine and some manual configuration. So 20 here is a nice little graphical tool again. This one's called GPIC. It's a nice little way to generate colour schemes if you're working on anything that involves colour and you want to find some complementary colours or nice contrasting colours. And one thing I really like about it, which I guess is what the name's all about, is it's got a built-in colour picker. So you just get a little colour picker, select any pixel on your monitor and it'll tell you the exact colour value. So if you see a colour you like somewhere on a website or in your user interface and maybe you're configuring something else and you're desktop environment and you want to match the colour or you're creating some graphics or some application design and you want to match a colour that you see then well yeah, G-Picker, simple, just pick a colour off the screen, gives you the colour code and it can generate some nice colour schemes to uh, give you a set of colours to work with. Number 21 here then is Thunderbird, that's my go-to email application, I use it for all my email accounts. Uh, yeah, fantastic, fairly straightforward and easy to use nicer than having to use any of the web interfaces of any of the email accounts I have. Great to keep my emails consolidated all in one place. Um, yeah, Mozilla banking good stuff there again. Shame it's not been kind of in the forefront of their development in recent years, but hey, it works fantastically, so if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Number 22 here then is another proprietary application that uh, I'm not so proud to, to list, but I do use it on pretty much all of my machines, so here we are, Skype. Skype is a communication tool that a bunch of my friends use, so basically either I have Skype and I talk to my friends or I don't have Skype and I don't talk to anyone. So Skype it is. Not much more to say about that. Fairly straightforward to install on Mint and Arch. I know there's some other distributions that I've tried to install on in the past and it's not in the repos. You have to go to the Skype website. But there we go, proprietary software. Number 23 then is a nice little application called Transmission. Again, a GUI tool. Well, I use the GUI version. I know there is a command line version of Transmission. I use the GUI client. Fantastic for downloading ISOs. I mean, if you're going to download an ISO, download the torrent. Helps you, helps the community. You get a nice quick download. I've never had a real slow issue with any um, torrents. Slow to start, maybe, but you get your download quick enough and someone else will get some bytes off of you. So 24 now, another download application you get. Uh, again, a graphical tool. <laughs> Theme here. Um, yeah, sometimes I find with large files, um, maybe there's a distribution I'd like to try out and they don't offer a torrent. have seen that a few times. Um, so yeah, for downloading big files, I have found that the Firefox downloader has been an issue. It's either been slow, or maybe I've been messing around with something else in my system and it's crashed and I've had to restart the download all over again, or maybe a combination of those. Anyway, you get great download manager for just straightforward downloading big files. Allows you to pause and resume them, something that the Firefox download manager doesn't offer. Very useful. Number 25 then here, getting to some low-level stuff. Java, uh, the Java development kit and the... Uh, Java runtime environment. Uh, so yeah, Java is my first language as a programming language that I ever learnt, and yeah, I just kind of feel a bit weird if I don't have Java on my system. 
don't use it very often. We'll be using it a bit more recently though, but I always like to make sure it's there, just in case I need it. Coming towards the end of my list here now at number 26, Asunder CD Ripper. Asunder? Or Asunder? I think Asunder. Either way, it's a pretty straightforward CD ripper. It can rip to FLAC, which is the uh, audio codec I like. Yeah, I've got a little bit of a CD collection here. I know a lot of people have moved towards streaming services these days for their music, but I like to own a copy of my music, but I like to have it easily accessible. So, yeah, rip that to FLAC, pop that on my phone, or just listen to it straight on my desktop. Number 27, then, Audacity. Using Audacity right now. It's the uh, simplest audio recorder I've ever used on a computer. I've dabbled with um, Cubase and Logic in the past. Um, I mean, yeah, great for big projects, but something simple like a podcast, Audacity is absolutely fantastic. Number 28, kind of linked to the audio theme here, Asunder CD Ripper, rip my CDs with, but then to get all the metadata, I use Music Brains Picard. There's a database of some kind that Asunder CD Ripper can use automatically, I can't remember the name of it, um, quite a common one I believe, but yeah, Music Brains Picard, absolutely fantastic for tagging all my music accurately. Um, yeah, I in fact discovered that at OGCamp, uh, OGCamp 14, the first OGCamp I went to, uh, fantastic environment, some great talks, nice talk about OGCamp, can't remember the chap who did it, but well, he did a good job of promoting it and it got me on board. I've contributed some data and uh, yeah, really great, really great tool, really great place to go if you need to get some tags for some old music files you've got. Number 29 here is VirtualBox from uh, the lovely Oracle Corporation. But let's just talk about VirtualBox. Virtualization software, great for trying out other Linux distributions. Uh, yeah, as you can tell, I'm a wholeheartedly a Linux user and yeah, love to distro hop. Um, kind of slowed down in my distro hopping in recent years, but love to try out different things in VirtualBox. Got a, uh, well, a BSD running at the moment, FreeBSD and uh, OpenSUSE, um, amongst others, just to try them out. Um, yeah, another great graphical tool for that. Must get into more um, command line tools, but yeah, like I said earlier, I do really enjoy a good graphical tool, and VirtualBox is a, another fantastic example of a great graphical tool. So at number 30 here... G-U-F-W. I don't really think there's a sensible way to pronounce that. Um, the G... GTK, I guess that stands for. Graphical, maybe. It's another GUI tool. U-F-W. Uncomplicated Firewall. Uh, yep. One of those things that seems to have dropped off the radar with uh, recent Linux Mint releases. So, just something I'd like to add when I install it. Nice little layer of security there. Just install it, switch it on, and forget about it. Works fantastically, never had any issues. A nice little firewall. So, rounding off the collection here then is number 31, the Numix icon theme. And in fact, the Numix theme in general, I absolutely love it. I've been using it for about mm, two, three months now. Just finally got bored with the default look of Linux Mint and the kind of bland GNOME default look of Cinnamon on Arch Linux. Yeah, so I did a bit of hunting around for themes. I think there was a reviewer on YouTube who mentions some themes, uh, maybe he mentioned the icon theme. So anyway, yeah, the Numix icon theme, including the Numix circle icon theme for all the applications, and there's like a Numix uh, GTK theme, which works with Linux Mint and uh, Cinnamon on Arch Linux. There's in fact a slight tweak for the Arch Linux version that's available in the Arch user repository that changes the kind of main highlighting color. The main highlighting color of the Numix theme is a kind of dark orange reddish colour, um, 
But yeah, the Arch version just tweaks it to the Arch Blue, a kind of nice, light, vibrant blue colour. So there we go, that's my list that I made of the Linux tools, my Linux toolbox, things that I install on pretty much any clean system that I happen to be using when I upgrade or if I break something and have to wipe the whole thing or if I just get bored and want to try something new. I'll pretty much install all of these applications over the following couple of weeks. So I hope you found something interesting there or discovered a package that you don't use yourself already and would like to try out. Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of Hacker Public Radio. Feel free to submit your own episode. Pop along to hackerpublicradio.org and there's a little menu item there at the top, Give Shows, and it's got lovely detailed information about how to record and submit your own show. It's a lot easier than you think it is. It was a lot easier than I thought it would be, and it's a lot more fun than you might expect. Don't be nervous. Go for it. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.